0: Hey everyone, welcome to USC's Rhythm and News here at Daily Trojan. This is where we break down everything in pop culture and entertainment. I'm your host, Amal Vashapai, and with me is my co-host, Trika Ramanu. Hi. This is episode four, and this week, we're gonna be doing a bit of a special episode. Instead of doing a news of the week, a recap, we're doing an entire episode dedicated to our feature artist and the Oscar nominations, which is our big picture this week. We're lucky to have the one and only Lana Nguyen on for our interview. She's a brilliant filmmaker and soon to be graduating SCA student. And afterwards, we'll discuss our reactions to the Oscar nominations, as well as some larger ideas about the Oscars during this pandemic and in a year without the cinemas. It's time for our feature artist. This is where we highlight a USC student who's also an aspiring creator. We'll talk about their personal projects so far and what's next for them. This week, we have Lana Nguyen, an SEA senior, majoring in film and TV production with an entertainment industry minor, who is one of the three students in her cohort selected to direct a senior thesis last semester. Her thesis film, Monsters of Mine, was filmed entirely during quarantine and is now preparing to make its debut at film festivals. Lana, how are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're excited to have you. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so uh, hi everyone. My name is Lana Nguyen and I'm a senior at USC studying film production and minoring in entertainment industry. Uh, Likewise, my primary passion and dream is feature film directing, but I'm also interested in creative development and producing. Um, If I had to sum up my style, I would say that I have more dramatic sensibilities and I'm really interested in character-driven stories with an empathetic edge and just films that really make you feel human. Um, As Animal mentioned, I directed a senior thesis film last semester called Monsters of Mine. Um, Right now I'm interning at a management company and I'm writing for a publication as I just kind of like work towards graduation. Lana, I
2: am absolutely inspired by you, honestly, as a sophomore, looking up to seniors, I think with the amount of work y'all do, we're always looking up to you guys. Uh, I recently watched Monsters Monsters of Mine, of course, I have to make sure I watch your amazing work. And it's such, such a cute film. Um, I want to know a little bit more about it, not just about, you know, the behind the scenes and how those things work, but also your inspiration behind creating such a film and what it speaks to you and what it speaks about you.
1: Mm hmm. So um, I guess just to give a little background, Monsters of Mine is about a little girl named Meep. She has imaginary monster friends that she sees through these AR glasses, but when they break, she is forced to go out of her comfort zone and talk to another human, which is super scary. Um, And I think for me, I'm really interested in uh, stories that follow child protagonists in an adult mature world. I just think it's so interesting to explore a character that doesn't understand the rules yet or doesn't know how to express or recognize what they feel. So that's um, why I was brought towards Monsters of Mine. To sum it up, I think Monsters of Mine is really about not just uh, friendship, but it's about making your first friend. And like that very special singular moment that I think everyone has. Um, So yeah, those were kind of the things that drew me to the story. And it had to go through a lot of reworking because of COVID, but I'm really proud of what we were able to accomplish.
0: Speaking about COVID, um, Monsters of Mine, if you haven't seen it, it's a stop motion, kind of like special, it's a special animation style you use for the film. And I wanted to ask you about how, what was the behind the scenes journey of Monsters in Mine during quarantine? How did that affect your film? And just take us from conception to the filming during the pandemic, obviously.
1: So when the Monsters of Mine team was selected, which was back in April, um, the film was actually a 12 minute live action short. It was very dark and offbeat. The monsters were supposed to be really scary. The world was supposed to be futuristic, um, very like Gotham, like gritty and dark. Um, and then COVID hit and USC told us that, you know, we had to do everything virtually. So we had to completely pivot. And um, story-wise, that meant we had to cut it down to about a three or four page script. And tonally, it became a very whimsical, lighthearted coming of age film. So complete 180. Um, but as far as the um, process of coming up with our concept, um, I think the initial, um, I think the obvious thing that we, that we could do virtually would be animation. But our team really wanted to still create tangible work. And so in the beginning, I was doing a lot of thinking about, you know, how can our production designer still design a set? How can our DP still get that experience of lighting and shooting a set? And that kind of led me to the idea of doing miniature sets and maybe like shipping them in between crew members. Um, so that was kind of where it started. And then as a team it was really a team effort. We just kind of worked with the idea of, you know, Okay, then maybe the humans are animated, but this or that. But we still really wanted to be wanted it to be rooted in something physical. Um, so yeah, we came up with the idea of using miniature sets, and then the humans are actually these like paper stop motion figures that we physically stop motion animated, and then the monsters were three D puppets that we composited in during post production. So it was so it was a lot of moving elements, but at its core, um, so. Tackling this film in a virtual landscape at first was really intimidating and we didn't know what to do, but I think we all had a clear vision of where we wanted to end up. So um, in the film, I knew how all these crazy pieces were going to work together, but it took a lot of testing just week by week until we could finally get there. But yeah, I guess to sum it up, that's kind of like how we came to this concept
2: as as i have been made aware that you were featured in the hollywood reporter um and as someone who has worked immensely in the sca um community in general um how exactly has how tough has it been without the help of usc without the help of usc within um uh, within the premises you know living away uh, has usc helped you in a certain way to uh, help this come to light because i have a lot of friends who are in SEA as well. And they said that it was very hard for them to get work done because for whatever reason, SEA just wasn't giving them the support that they needed. Um, so when it comes to to how a institution can help their students, uh, where do you think USC lacked? Where do you think they supported you? And where do you mm-hmm. think they can do better?
1: Yeah, so when COVID hit and USC told us that every project was going to be virtual, the biggest kind of, disappointment was that they they declined to postpone any of our project so it was very like take it or leave it and I think in the beginning this was really devastating especially for our team this is our senior thesis film this is the last time we're going to make something together this is the first time we're getting a big enough budget um to possibly do something that could you know go places and so it was really disappointing at first um And with the Hollywood Reporter article, I'm really grateful for that because I I feel like it gave us a voice to really um, speak out. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think that it really gained that much momentum. It didn't really change a lot of USC's decisions, but I think on a smaller level, it really helped the professors and the faculty understand where we were coming from and why we felt so disappointed. So that being said, when the semester started, in my 480 class, we have a few different if semest- a, a We have a few different professors, and I do actually really feel like they supported us through through all of this. They, um, with doing animation and stop motion and everything, none of us had done animation before. We had no experience, so they really brought in other, you know, specialists and people to talk to us. And I I think that in the end, their support really meant everything. Um, it was hard. They also didn't have any experience with virtual production or animation. Um, But you know, they supported us with what we wanted to do. And so at the end of the day, when I look at Monsters of Mine, it's a completely different project. But it's also a concept that like we would have never been able to think of if we were not put in this circumstance. So in a weird way, it kind of As USC was telling us in the beginning, like, you know, when you're put in a situation where you don't have, you can't do anything, you find a way. So I don't want to say that like the institution won or whatever, but I think that it was a good reminder that filmmaking is really rooted in problem solving. It's not about planning everything perfectly and having it go the way you want, it's about everything going wrong and like figuring how to preserve your story.
0: In the words of Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Um,
1: life finds a way. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, you obviously had to shift to a pandemic uh, setting, which was virtual. Um, we were really curious about how that affected, I guess, the because di- you've been on a set that's um, not virtual and was be- before the pandemic. So how was it different in terms of the dynamic with the crew and just... I guess, even working creative differences over, I guess, laptops?
1: Um, let's see. I mean, okay, when I was selected to direct a 480, I was really excited to gain the experience of directing a large cast and crew. Because um, when you're going up in the program, you're required to crew on these 480 sets, and they're pretty big. You know, there are set departments, and there are a good number of people in each one. Um, But of course with COVID, we basically lost all of our crew members. Um, There's no set for them to volunteer on. So the juniors that are supposed to help us with our film weren't required to, and that's nothing on their part. Um, But I think the virtual experience was really different because it just pared down that really big cast and crew. And I don't know if it was easier or harder, I wish that I, you know, could get more experience directing a large crew, but it was really nice having like a core team of people, um, that you could trust and lean on. It felt like a smaller project, um, something that we were all really invested in and not just something that we were required to do. Um, so I think it really helped give us like a more close-knit community. And, um, I think that shows in the film. So I'm I'm glad that we kind of got to pare everything down to like the essentials. Uh,
2: you said you got the chance to to direct a 480 and I think you were one of the three that that got to do so. Uh, what, what do you think you've learned through this process, through taking up a leadership position, not just in the situation that you were, but also with all the knowledge that you've gained within USC over the years? Uh, what has that told you about the way that you lead, the way that you direct and your storytelling, the method and how that influences your future projects?
1: Um, It's really hard because I feel like this experience is so different than my other directing experiences. But one thing that I found um, that's important to me as a director is just like at the core of everything is respect. And it's respect for, I mean, me, if I'm a director, you know, having people there that respect my vision or, you know, think what i what i want to say is interesting um but also from my end just really respecting everyone involved and that's also the best way to um handle conflict right because if two people don't respect each other then it can get really ugly but if you have that respect you're able to work through things disagree on issues without taking it too personal um so yeah i think for me that's like the most important thing and They always tell us, like, when you first come to USC, they're just like, you know, the number one rule is don't be rude. Like, don't be mean. Don't be, like, an asshole. Like, you know, that's, like, the number one rule because your reputation follows you everywhere. And I think that I have really learned that um, coming out the end of USC is that, you know, just be kind to people and respect each other. (laughs)
0: Right. And um, you're about to graduate this spring, and that's pretty exciting, and I wanted to kind of get your perspective on your goals and aspirations, and as well as if you have any worries entering an industry that's recovering from the coronavirus and things you want to do.
1: Um, I have a lot of worries. <laughs> I think this industry is, you know, it's not a stable career to pursue. So, I mean, it's a very stressful venture. Um, I'm glad to be graduating this year, not last year. I know with like COVID happening, that must have been just like tenfold the amount of anxiety. Um, but yeah, I think right now I'm focusing a lot on writing my own projects. And once I graduate, hopefully um, gaining some experience producing other people's shorts as well as hopefully directing some of my own. Um, I'm not really sure where the future is going to take me, and it's stressful to think about, but I. I have faith (laughs) in my passion and I have faith that the industry is changing um, in terms, you know, for, for women, for people of color. Um, So I think that like through the years, I'm getting a little, a little less anxious about it because I think that things are really changing for good. And hopefully there are programs and mentorships that will, you know, be good opportunities for me and that possibly weren't available to people like me. I don't know, like years ago.
2: Thank you so much. This interview was so amazing, Lana. Uh if you could just tell us a little bit where we can find the rest of your work, um, plug in your socials.
1: My website is lanawinfilm.com. So that's l-a n a n-g-u-y-e-n film.com. And my uh socials, I guess my Instagram is Lana underscore banana na. So an extra na at the end. Um and yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. And don't worry, guys, Lana's going to stick around to talk to us about the big picture this week. But before that, we have to get to our radio intermission.
2: This is a segment where we feature a new song from a USC music artist. This week, we have a really cool song by Tyler Smith. He's a senior studying film production at USC, but music is his first creative passion. The song is blue and it's like a passing thought or a fleeting feeling. It's about the struggle between here and there, about the desire to connect with someone and being there for them. Without further ado, this is Blue. Blue.
1: There with you with me.
0: more music from tyler on his spotify and if you want to keep up with everything else he's making check him out at tlrsmith on instagram now it's our time for the big picture this is where we pick out one main topic in the world of entertainment and break it down with our guest looking for the bigger picture of what it all means this week we're covering the oscars the nominations were announced last monday and as usual we had our snubs surprises like every other year But before we get to the Oscar nominations, let's just go around and talk about what were some of our favorite films from this past year? Any pleasant surprises that you guys had?
1: Um, I would say my favorite, my absolute favorite film this year was Sound of Metal. So I was really glad to see that being recognized pretty much across the board. Um, I mean, I also love Minari as well as an Asian American. Just seeing these types of stories populate the screen, but also like being recognized. I know like last year we had the farewell, but you know, that didn't make it to the Oscars table. Um, So it's just, it's really great to see. Um, Yeah, I'll say that one of my favorite nominations this year was Eurovision being nominated for best original song. I have seen that movie three times and it never gets old. And I just think it's so fun that they were nominated.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'd say on the other hand, my favorite has to be Soul. Um, it was such a beautiful animation. It was something that really spoke to diversity and not just, not just in a way that, that it's pretentious. It was a genuine attempt uh, to really expand on, on, on representation on screen. Uh, and in general, it's just such a beautiful film. So that's one that I took back with me for sure. Um, but in general, I wasn't able to watch a lot of films, uh, because of like accessibility here in India in general and, uh, all the theaters being shut and not just that we don't get as much of the content on our OTT platforms. Uh, so I've just watched like three of the best picture nominations. So at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the noob when it comes to, as to the amount of films I've watched.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot of us need to do catching up on the Oscar nominations. I feel like so many people didn't actually see them even more so than previous years. Um, You bring up Soul, which is pretty awesome because both, I think, uh, Pixar films this year were pretty incredible. I thought Onward was actually a lot better than people gave it credit for. I have to say my favorite film is Minari, but um, I want to give a shout out to Tenet, which I just feel like is being completely forgotten about. And I feel like the recognition it deserves. Uh, I feel like it just people are bashing on it as a film that tried to bring back cinemas when when it was very dangerous to go to them.
2: Uh, you know, that's a good thing that you brought up about like uh, the number of people that are watching it right now. I feel like I've watched way more film in 2019, and 2018. Like I remember watching all of the Oscar nominations. And now this year I've caught up with nothing. And I don't know why. I think it's more of like the love for your, for television shows than it is for anything. Let's get directly into the nominations. Let's speak about the Oscars. Uh, let me just, just for the viewers, let's just talk about what the nominations are. So for Best Picture, we have The Father, we have Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, my favorite, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago, Sec- uh, Chicago 7. Um, what did you guys think? Jim, give me your general uh, feelings about the nominations this year. Were they deserved? Did you feel like some of them were missing? What's up?
1: I have to say, I think right now I'm also playing Oscar catch up. So, I feel like like films like The Father, which um, I know people are saying is kind of surprising that it got nominated. Generally, the nominations really surprised me in a good way. It felt like this, I don't know, this breath of like release, like oh, okay, like finally, like the slate is super diverse, it's super representative, and. I I just feel like it righted so many of the wrongs that the Academy has, you know, fallen into before, what with like the Oscars So White movement. And I mean, I'm just hoping that this is not just a one-time thing, but that it's setting precedent for um, next year and all the years after that.
0: Yeah, I I gotta agree. I feel like a lot of the films that are being, because of the pandemic and the bigger films, blockbusters, but even films that are by high-profile directors like Wes Anderson with The French Dispatch, dune all those films got like pushed away so it really feels like a year of unknown directors or new directors coming forward and all these films that are being nominated are pretty intimate stories some of them are kind of big like mank it's by david fincher but for the most part like sound of metal minari the father uh nomad land they're such like intimate human stories so i feel pretty good Uh, i know there's eight nominees probably could have thrown in one more But other than that, it's pretty good. And um, we have to point out that this is the first year we've had a best picture nominee with an all black producing team, Judas and the Black Messiah. So that's that's an important thing to note.
2: As you brought up, I mean, these are some of the records that they've really set up in 2021 um, not just not just Judas and the Black Messiah, but also this is the first time two women were nominated as Best Director uh, and Chloe Zhao is the first Asian woman director and Emerald Femmel is the first female director to be nominated for her first film. Um, not just that, we also have amazing um, records being set in the Best Actor category uh, with the first two Asian heritage nominated uh, leads with Riz Ahmed being the first Muslim actor to be nominated and Stephen Yen to be the first Asian American actor nominated. Uh, as as you brought up Lana, the Oscars have always been criticised for their lack of diversity, for them being quote unquote too white. Um, and with 2020 and with with 2018, especially with Natalie Portman, you know, clearly calling them out for you know the all male cast, um, all male uh, nominations. These are things that have been called out for a very long time. But you see a change now. My question really is, and I sometimes question the credibility of these movements. Are they really out of the genuine will to do something better and do something greater in in terms of representation, or is this just like a facade to sort of cover up and like you know market themselves to a particular audience that is currently seeking more uh, diversity?
1: I think it's a, it's a hard topic because I think it's it's very conflictual. I, you're right. I mean, like right now, I'm I'm super happy that the nomination slate is diverse and representative. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at the rise in hate crimes in the US against Asian Americans and the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, things like don't line up. So I think it can be easy to feel like this whole thing is a facade. Um, And I don't know, I think that there are a lot of things involved. Like, as Admiral said, this is this is the year where. Most blockbuster, all blockbuster films and big studio films just aren't, they weren't released, so they aren't being considered for this Oscars. So in a weird way um, that allowed for these smaller independent films to kind of gain recognition, And um, I don't know if it's, so maybe it's just, you know, a chance. Uh, they were just given the chance, but it's not as if Hollywood is really like pushing them forward and giving them the support that they should have. So. I'm not really sure. Um, again, I hope that it's not a one-time thing, but it's also hard to believe in that when you look at you know the history of just Hollywood and how they you know don't recognize people of color or these marginalized communities.
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure if the Oscars are representative of the country at all. I don't even think they're representative of the movie-watching community. Like, like really honestly, even the f- people who have seen tv and film content of the past year i don't know if this represents the the things that are being talked about the most not all of them at least so i i think i think it's a bit twofold i think there is um a changing oscars uh voting like the academy itself it's changing so i think that reflects on here i don't think it's just an intentional uh way to cover up I feel like the lack of diversity in past years, I, I believe it's more important to look at what things are being nominated that are considered diverse. Um, when we look at all the Black nominees, uh, what kind of projects are they being put in? Is Does it always have to do with race-related issues like Judas and the Black Messiah? Um, I would just mostly kind of wonder if we're creating opportunities for films that put diverse people in lead roles that don't always have to revolve around race related issues. Also, I think it's very interesting to always look at, I think the most interesting category every year is the best actress category, because I find whenever I look at the best actress category, I can see how many films that year really put strong female performances front and center that were also considered as front and center best picture nominees usually they are they don't really overlap a lot of the best actress nominees are like niche films films that not even the larger academy body are watching this year it's a bit different we have two uh best actresses Frances McDormand and Carrie Mulligan who are, are in films that are nominated for best picture but when you look at the best actor category there's four instead of the, out of the five so there's a bit of a difference i don't think there's enough films that are widely accepted by the voting body that have strong female performances at the center of them. So I would just change what's being produced rather than the recognition. I think that comes second.
2: Absolutely. For sure. I think, yeah, it really is the stories that are currently being pushed. And I think for the longest time, people have had um, a sort of problem with the fact that women in general have been represented as like side characters in a lot of films. Um, that they have these important roles in otherwise male leading films and and as much as it's amazing that uh we have uh, i don't know maybe two uh, best pictures with with female leads um it's it's still an interesting change i'm still a little i'm still a little wary about how credible the voting is uh 16% uh, of the academy awards is the minority groups and i don't know if that's enough of a representation to make uh even an equal um you know decisions regarding film uh, because you know when it comes to minority groups in general it's it's not just how you experience the film but it's also how those films impacted you uh, and the Oscars shouldn't just be you know how you know how, how you view a film technically but also the way you view film as an experience um, and if you don't have a viewing body that's as diverse then you're not going to be able to capture that experience as um, evidently or as accurately as possible. Um, Speaking of experience, uh, the entire aspect of uh, watching film has changed. We don't get to watch it in theaters, we're sitting at home and watching it on OTT platforms. Um, With that whole experience taken out, how have Oscar films been experienced and viewed and remembered very differently from audiences? Um, And with film and television both placed in the same platform, how has that changed the impact that film has on an audience?
0: I feel like it changes it a lot. I think um, even though a lot of these Best Picture nominees are more available and accessible than ever before because they were released on streaming or debuted on streaming as well as theaters, people are watching them less. And I wonder why that is. Um, I don't really have the answer to that. I think we have a psychologically different desire to watch certain types of content at home than the, the theaters, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I also think because of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, there's just this universal sense of stress that everybody has on their shoulders, so I think that the type of content they want to consume maybe is that more, I don't know, Netflix type, guilty pleasure type of content that, you know, isn't highbrow. I mean, they don't want to sit down and watch this Oscar Academy award film that, you know, might just bring more stress into their life and I think that could also be a part of it. Um, I mean, I think that that was kind of a general trend before COVID as well, just people preferring to watch that kind of content instead of going to the theater and seeing these dramatic films. But I think that COVID definitely made that um, change exponential.
2: Do those things diminish uh, the impact of the Oscars though? Like, I I always like, maybe it's just a thing in my head, but you know, film was always placed on a different category than than television. You know, uh, because because there's a sort of romance to it. There's something that's 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 different. A film viewing experience is different from just watching TV at home. Uh, does that change the 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 integrity or the impact that film has on us? And then in turn, does that impact the way we view the Oscars versus maybe television show awards?
0: I think it does. I mean, if we're watching these films less, if these films are also not being experienced and the heightened sense they can be in a theater where we really, I think for me, I can speak that I remember films better when I see them in a theater than when I see them at home. I like forget easily. I feel like it's more, it's more passing by when you watch it at home. So I think it does. I I don't think these Oscars are going to have the kind of uh, legacy that the other Oscars before them have had. Unfortunately,
1: I guess to add on to that, I also think with like the added layer of COVID, sometimes like these award ceremonies can just kind of make you feel like, why are we doing all this? I mean, I know that for me, sometimes when I'm just so focused on like stories and filmmaking, I like stop myself and I'm like, why am I like focusing on this? There are like so many bigger things going on in the world that are more important. And so I think that that does give the Oscars less credibility. Um, But that being said, I think that if people take the time out of their day to watch the films that were nominated, that they, they might be like reinvigorated by them. I think that the films this year, because there's a lack of blockbusters and big studio movies, they are more intimate and they are giving you these really like close glimpses into American life in different parts of the country that really speak to what film is supposed to be. At least for me, I feel like film is supposed to put you into someone else's shoes. It's supposed to make you feel empathy and supposed to make you feel human. And I think that this year's films absolutely do that. So, I mean, I'm hoping that people will watch them because I think that that will kind of give the importance back to film and why we need to watch them in theaters and why they're so important.
2: Yeah, very true. And I really like what you said, Lana, regarding like how we feel, um, Feel about life in general in today's time, you know, and, and how that impacts what we want to watch. I remember having a discussion with, with one of my family members who was like, Yeah, I don't want to watch artsy films. I don't want to watch these films. Like, I don't want to feel, I don't need to feel the, the burden of reality uh, when I'm trying to get away with it, get away from it myself. You know, I'm not spending my weekend watching these real films, these real films about pain and, and you know, emotional experiences. When all I want to do is just get back from my nine to five and watch like slapstick comedy. Uh, and and with the with the way the pandemic has really shaped us today, I think that that really affects the kind of content and the kind of entertainment that we seek, um, the kind of emotional experiences that we seek. Uh, I think my final point of discussion is, is, you know, I'm being a director yourself, uh, and I think with us having some sort of experience with filmmaking. uh the the ability for people to make good film now has changed, right? Not everyone has the accessibility. A lot of filmmakers had to close their production um, because they just didn't have enough finances, or they just weren't able to get enough cast or uh, cast and crew. Uh, how does that change um, the 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 merit of of these films uh, in terms of the fact that it's not an even playing field anymore? Uh, and and you know it is only these big block big buster uh, films that are able to produce their content and hence able to get nominated for the Oscars. Where does that sort
1: of keep us in terms of, um, in terms of that level playing field? Hmm. I'm not sure. And I mean, this is a worry of mine as well as someone who wants to be a director and, um, tell those more, you know, independent type stories. You know, I worry that independent films might not play in theaters years from now because they might just be contained to streaming while the blockbusters get the big screen. Um, So I'm not really sure how to answer your question, but I think that there are a lot of, you know, studios like A24, for example, that are really big right now and they kind of champion those kinds of smaller stories. So I'm just hoping that that continues and people, I mean, people love A24 and they love that content. So I think there will always be an audience for people who want to see those movies in theaters. And I have faith that, you know, theaters won't die out.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think theaters are going to die out. I think it's a lot of hyperbole and exaggeration by people who just want to make like buzzy headlines. But uh, I think you have to mix a bit of genre and a bit of um, academic, intellectual kind of ideas together to produce. I think the stuff that makes the biggest impact, even Parasite, I think there's a lot of genre in that. And then there are blockbusters and indies on the other sides of the spectrum. I just hope they all can be seen at the theaters. But I think we just have to wait and see.
2: Thank you guys so much. This discussion was super cute. It was super amazing. I think we really got into like the important aspects of the Oscars. Um, truly, something to think about.
0: Yeah, thanks, Lana, for coming on. It was really nice to have you come on and also share your experiences. But we hope to see you again. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us this week. We don't have a recap, but I think we can suggest everyone to go ahead and watch all the best picture nominees they're all really good we're catching up on them so you should too any final thoughts trika
2: nothing i just really loved this discussion today it was you know super fun and super intellectual and yeah definitely catch up on these films uh we have to do and uh, yeah that's all just just catch up on the oscars catch up on these amazing nominations all
0: right and don't forget to tune in next week see you then
2: bye